over the summer where we're taking a little bit of time to talk about what it is that we love about Jesus. And this morning I just wanted to take a a quick look at two stories. Uh, They're both from the uh, Gospel of John. One's from John chapter 3 and the other one is from John chapter 4. And as I've been thinking about this morning and praying about this morning, just reflecting on, you know, what it is I love about Jesus, it's like, where do you, where do you, where do you begin? Um, and, uh, but one of the many, many things that I, I love about Jesus is that Jesus loves us all. Jesus loves Every single one of us, so much so that he died for every single one of us. It doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter what we've done. Jesus loves us. Jesus died for us. Jesus came from heaven to earth for every single one of us. Jesus willingly gave up uh, his life for every single one of us by dying on a cross so that we might actually live lives. We might actually experience a life that is abundant and rich and free. And as I said, it doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter where we've come from. It doesn't matter what we've done. Jesus has come for us all. And in these two stories that we're going to quickly look at this morning, we, we first of all see Jesus meeting uh, what, you might call an, an, what you might call an insider. He's on the inside uh, track, Nicodemus. Uh, he, Nicodemus has kind of done everything right. You know, he's got all his ducks in a row. He's highly moral. You know, he's a up, good, upright, upstanding uh, chap. He's a, he's a leader in the, in the civic and the religious establishment of the time. Anyone who would have looked at Nicodemus would have said, you know, look at this, Nicodemus. Now, he's a guy. this guy's got it all together. Nicodemus is one of those guys. He's got it all together. He's got a great job. You know, he's got a great house. He's had a great education. You know, what more could, what more could anyone possibly need? Well, as we'll see, Nicodemus very much needs Jesus. And then in the very next chapter of John's Gospel, in John chapter 4, Jesus meets a woman who's very much... Um, She's very much an outsider. Nicodemus is very much on the inside track. This woman that Jesus meets in the next chapter, she's very much on the outside of things. She's nothing like Nicodemus. She's socially, morally bankrupt, very much on the outside of of everyone and everything that's going on. And anyone who would have looked at this woman, the Samaritan woman that we'll read about in a second, they, they probably would have thought... What a mess she's made of her life. What a mess. Like, what a mess. It's like a car crash. Um, too many partners to count. Probably as many children. Uh, most likely she was a prostitute uh, who, who, whose her only way of getting by really was to sell herself for sex. And a picture of a life kind of just gone wrong. And so here we've got these two people. We've got Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman and two people who on the face of things, their lives seem so incredibly 
different. The circumstances of their lives seem so totally and utterly dissimilar. Uh, and, you know, you look at them and at first glance, it's like they couldn't possibly have anything in common, could they? But as we read about them both, we soon discover that they, and indeed all of us, have one very important thing in common, um, and that is our desperate need for Jesus. So if you've got a Bible, turn with me to John, uh, John, chapter, John chapter 3, and we'll read from there, and then we'll flip over into John chapter 4. John chapter 3. Verse 1, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who's come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you're doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he's old? Nicodemus asked. Surely He can't enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You shouldn't be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How how can this be? Nicodemus asked. You're Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and yet you do not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then would you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through god then just flip over into john uh, chapter four this is verse one the pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although, in fact, it wasn't Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, he had to go through Samaria. So he he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. 
When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back here to draw water. He said, go and tell your, go and get your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you're now with is not your husband. What you said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is Jerusalem. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit And his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Bit of a long read. The word of God, it's inspired word of God. And um, it's good for us to just read even familiar passages of uh, scripture again and what you see from these two stories you've got two very different people two very different circumstances and one very important truth romans 3 23 says this it says there is no difference between jew and gentile there is no difference between nicodemus and a samaritan woman for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god and all are justified freely by his grace, through the redemption of Christ Jesus. See, there is no difference between them. There's no difference between a pimp and a prostitute. There's no difference between a priest and a pastor. And all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter whether you've got an Oxbridge education or whether you haven't got a single GCSE to your name. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter if you're the CEO of a multinational corporation or a dinner lady in a local school. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No matter how superior you may feel, no matter how inferior you may feel, in God's eyes, because of our sin, which is a slightly unpopular word these days, but because of our sin, and our sin is basically... Whatever else it is that we're looking to beside God for salvation, whether that's uh, sex or money or 
power or being good or being bad or our careers or our spouses or our families, whatever it is that we're looking to for our salvation, for our fulfillment besides God. That's what sin is. And, and in God's eyes, we're all equally lost. We're all equally in need of rescue. We're all equally in need of his salvation. We all have to start life from scratch. We all need to be born again. And what I love about Jesus is that through his death on the cross and through his resurrection, every single one of us gets that, gets that chance of new life. Yes, absolutely. Every single one of us. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. second half of that verse is amazing. Because it goes on to say, but all are justified by his grace through the reconciliation that came through Christ Jesus. That's something to get excited about. Thank you. And what we need to do is we need to stop looking to false forms of salvation in the hope that they're the things that are going to bring us life. Because if we haven't worked out quite yet the ripe old age that we all are, these things don't satisfy. They don't quench our thirst. If we keep building our lives, you know, as Nicodemus did on his morality, his self-righteousness and his pompousness and his piousness, his condescending sort of approach to others, looking down on everybody else. Or indeed, you know, if we, like the Samaritan woman, keep building our lives, uh, um, in her case, on the need to have a, a chap in her life all the time, she didn't know who she was in and of herself. She didn't know how precious and important and valuable and loved and treasured by God she was. And so she constantly found and, and sought comfort in the arms of some random bloke. If we keep building our lives on our careers, if we keep building our lives on our spouses, if we keep building our lives on our families, if we keep building our lives on anything but Jesus, we will be we will be disappointed. We will be let down. We will be thirsty again. We, we will find ourselves back to where we started. Because when those things fail us, when those things let us down, which inevitably they will, we're left without hope. We're, we're broken inside. We're, we're wounded again. Um, every other form of salvation but Jesus Christ is no salvation at all if your career fails it won't forgive you um, it will just leave you with a, a, a sense of failure and a sense of shame if your relationship uh, falls apart it won't comfort you uh, it will leave you just feeling abandoned and unloved and empty. Jesus is the only saviour. Jesus is the only salvation. He is the only thing that if we give ourselves to him that will satisfy us. Jesus is the only salvation. Jesus is the only saviour who if we fail him will forgive us. 
Jesus is the only saviour. If, if we fall apart, he, what he does is he pursues us and he woos us. And he restores our broken heartedness. On the cross, Jesus took on himself um, our punishment. Jesus took on himself the punishment that was due us and due to come to us because of our determination and decidedness to pursue every other kind of salvation that we could possibly create. Uh, On uh, the cross, Jesus took on himself the punishment for all of our sins, for all the things that we've turned to beside God for salvation. The Bible says that um, he was pierced for our transgressions. Transgression is just another word for sin. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sin. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Why do I love Jesus? I love Jesus because he took up my pain. I love Jesus because he bore my suffering. The punishment that was to come to me, the punishment that I should have received for all the things that I've done, he said, let me, let me stand in the way. Let me take that bullet for you. I want to get in the way of that for you, Neil, and I'll, I'll take all that. I love Jesus because even though he was uh, in very nature God, he didn't, he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he made himself nothing. He took on the nature of a servant. He made in, being made in uh, human likeness, took on the appearance of a man, and he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And it's because Jesus died, it's because Jesus rose again, It's because of those things that we can be, as Nicodemus is trying to find out. It's because of those things that we can be born again. It's because Jesus died. It's because Jesus rose again that we, like the Samaritan woman, never have to draw water again. We never have to get that thirsty ache in our souls where we're longing and yearning for something because we have dreams of living water bubbling up from inside us. And what's so amazing to me, is that Jesus did all of that. He took on all of that pain and that suffering for all of us. And he did it all gladly. He did it all willingly. He did it all because he loves us so much. And that's the gospel. That's the good news of the gospel. And it is early, but it is good news. You know, And it's the same good news for skeptics and for cynics, for believers, for doubters, for insiders, for outsiders. It's the same good news for everyone in between. And uh, for me, seeing what he did, uh, seeing why he did it, uh, for me, it, it makes me uh, want to do nothing but to lie face down on the ground. And give him my life and give him my all. Why don't you stand and we'll pray.